Hello and welcome to All Things Urticaria from Medthority. In this series of podcasts, our host, Professor Marcus Maurer, is joined by his friends and colleagues to discuss all things urticaria. Over to Professor Maurer. Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria. My name is Marcus and this is a very special episode of your You Care podcast series. Why? Well, first of all, we have Simon Francis Thompson from Denmark here with us. Uh, hi, Simon. Hello. And second of all, we have a very, very interesting topic for you, one that's important for clinical practice, for physicians, patients alike. We will be talking about comorbidities. Simon, what, what is that? Yeah, I guess we, we all think about what is really a comorbidity. Uh, it's, um, I think we all have a feeling of, of what this word really means. Uh, it's, it's a disease associated with the main disease of interest. Right. And so I guess for urticaria, we would include all the diseases that circle around urticaria and are associated with it. Uh, that's a, yeah. That's a very nice way to describe it because, you know, um, patients are often interested in uh, does this other disease that I have, um, does it have something to do with my urticaria? Is it maybe even the cause or is it just that these diseases occur more often in patients with urticaria? And I guess it's all of that. I agree. And, and that's, it's really uh, a central question for many of our patients, I think, uh, getting hold of what really triggered this terrible disease uh, if there is a, a cause or a, a trigger that can be eliminated, that would be wonderful. But we tend to know otherwise, Marcus, is that right? Or I, I, I think I agree with you. You know, it's good to know about comorbidities in patients and it gives us some insight on, well, what causes urticaria, but it's not necessarily that another disease is the cause of urticaria. Let, maybe make it uh, a little bit more uh, real. Let's jump in and, and uh, let's list for our listeners some of the common comorbidities that we should have an eye out for in our patients. Let's say chronic spontaneous urticaria. What is more likely to occur when you have this disease? I guess uh, I will follow up on that. Um, in my mind, I think we should maybe distinguish between um, diseases that are very close to urticaria, perhaps even a part of urticaria, chronic spontaneous urticaria itself, and that would be, for example, uh, chronic inducible urticaria. Is that really a comorbidity or is it just uh, an association? And also in that area, we have angioedema. It's a very troublesome symptom. And I think we pretty much agree that angioedema is part of urticaria and not a distinct disease or another comorbidity. So when we think about true comorbidities of urticaria, we think of other diseases that are outside the the disease itself. And that would be, for example, thyroid disease. Mm. It would be some of the rheumatological diseases. It mm. would be some of the uh, psychological problems, even psychiatric diseases like depression and anxiety. Um, and that would be, in my mind, the most important ones. Then there are some 
other diseases? And maybe do you uh, want to chip in here, Marcus? Uh, we see a lot of associations. Uh, that is true. Simon, I want to get inside of your head because you seem to have a very nice structure that uh, I want to lay out a little bit. So let's let's step back. To me, angioedema is a sign and symptom of urticaria. Um, although we don't really know much about the underlying causes of angioedema in urticaria patients who do not have wheels. Uh, I, I will give you that. So there's a little bit of a gray zone here, but by and large, you know, we define chronic urticaria as the occurrence of wheels, angioedema, or both. So let's move to chronic inducible urticaria. You made a very interesting point, and I think in the past, it was often uh, seen, you know, as uh, something that comes with chronic spontaneous urticaria. Your, your skin also reacts to scratching or your skin also reacts to uh, pressure. Uh, and it, this wasn't really seen as a standalone disease. It was rather seen as, um, well, part of a bigger problem where spontaneous wheels and inducible wheels occur in the same patient. And I, I think we have moved beyond that and that when we have a chronic spontaneous urticaria patient where we can elicit symptomatic dermographism, well, then this is a patient who has two urticarias. Um, and uh, I, I wonder how you feel about this um, and, and if this is important important for you to recognize when you diagnose patients and you follow them as you treat them. It is indeed important and, and not least for the patient, I guess, because uh, one big aspect of being a urticaria doctor taking care of his or her patient is really to explain to the patient, to help the patient understand and kind of also accept that this disease has different faces and uh, inducible urticaria is a, a part of, of some patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria lives as well. Yes. So maybe we could, for our listeners, uh, we, we, we kind of speak without numbers here. Uh, let's be clear, for example, chronic inducible urticaria it occurs or co-occurs with chronic spontaneous urticaria in about, I would say, one-fourth, one-third of the patients. Agreed. Angioedema would be one-half of the patients. Agreed. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a big issue. So uh, every time we have a handful of patients, a lot of these patients have also these other uh, symptoms or diseases, what we choose to call them. And, uh, and it's also important to, uh, to recognize these uh, other aspects because uh, it has implications for the treatment, for the elimination of triggers, and for the whole explanation and understanding. And that's really what we want our patients to, to be able to, to leave our offices with uh, a feeling of uh, that they have been understood and taken care of the whole picture. That's a super point, Simon. I think this is very, very important. You know, urticaria to patients with chronic urticaria, any chronic urticaria, often appears to be a mess, you No, know, unpredictable. People don't seem to know what this is. Sometimes it comes uh, uh, from blue sky, as my patients say, and sometimes, it, you know, you can make the wheels come. It's a mess. 
for patients. And to sort this out is very important. And as you say, if we diagnose symptomatic demographism, for example, in a patient who also has chronic spontaneous urticaria, then this is important. No trigger avoidance, you said, but I've seen patients where treatment results in tremendous improvement of chronic spontaneous urticaria and symptomatic demographism was still there. And sometimes it's the other way around. So it is, it, I think, very important for us to sort this out and for patients to understand um, what is behind their different signs and symptoms. Uh, do we know something about, you said one third, I agree with you, one third of patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria have one or more forms of chronic inducible urticaria. Does that impact on the course or the treatment of chronic spontaneous urticaria? Are there data out there? I guess that um, there are some data. Uh, looking, for example, at uh, at our patient population, we uh, we found that among patients with with the with the inducible urticaria, uh, cholinergic urticaria, uh, there was definitely uh, a, an indication that in patients with uh, chronic spontaneous urticaria on top of cholinergic urticaria, there was a better response to treatment. That was omalizumab treatment. Mm -hmm. Whereas in those who had isolated cholinergic urticaria would have a less uh, beneficial response. Mm. But I mean, uh, treatment is a lot of things. It's yeah. one of them is medication. Uh, we have to remember that our patients usually come from a very long journey, having visited different doctors in different sectors of the healthcare system, once they end up, for example, in hospital at a specialized center, there is a long story, as you said, of misunderstandings, of disappointments, and, and telling and just listening to the patient's story is a big part of the treatment. Uh, so, and that is really beyond uh, the drug itself. And, mm. and Think so. We, we can do a lot for the patients by uh, examining them uh, closely and, and listening to their symptoms. That that does a lot. I think that's kind of the placebo effect that we all benefit from when we have a nice relationship with our patients and and really understand their lives. Yeah. Well, you call it placebo effect, but. It, and it is true, but you know, it's truly the value of words, the value of sorting things out, of providing patients with a concept in their head that replaces this. I don't know anything. I don't. I'm. I'm a victim here. Um, knowing what happen, what's happening to you is part of dealing with the disease, and we can help patients with that. I think that's a very important point you made. Uh, Simon, I want to move with you to this other group of diseases, really, that tends to be more common in patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria. You said thyroid disease, other autoimmune diseases, by and large autoimmune diseases, no? And um, there's a lot of confusion, no? And I think sometimes we add to this confusion, you know, we look for IgE autoantibodies to thyroid to explain urticaria as an autoallergy, but at the same time having IgG autoantibodies to the thyroid is a sign of autoimmunity and a biomarker for treatment. Let's sort this out for our listeners a little bit. 
is thyroid disease, autoimmune thyroiditis, the cause of chronic urticaria? I think that's a difficult question, Marcus. I think it's very interesting, and it's a question that a lot is circling around right now in the urticaria community. It's it's a very central aspect of urticaria because we we just got to understand this within the last decade, and that has really paved the way for new treatments, not least the omalizumab, and also the understanding of urticaria as maybe different diseases within the disease itself. Uh, so different subforms of urticaria, for example, uh, type one, the most uh, common autoallergic type, and, and type two B, the, the autoimmune type, uh, they have different associations. Uh, and I, I would say that we know that the autoantibodies, uh, the autoallergic antibodies in, in uh, autoimmune thyroid disease, they are histamine liberating themselves. Uh, so in that way, it gives us, gives us as physicians as an instrument to explain to the patient, this is possibly what leads to your symptoms. Uh, and then the next question is obviously, if you treat the thyroid disease, would it go away? No, it's not that easy. Maybe you can explain further. <laughs> well, you know, again, the data are mixed, but um, there are some studies that suggest that when you treat autoimmune thyroiditis, chronic spontaneous urticaria in this patient can benefit. But I agree with you, it's not that easy. And we shouldn't be, uh, you know, too positive when we say, well, huh, now that we've diagnosed you also with uh, thyroiditis, the treatment of this disease will cure your urticaria. It's definitely more complex than that. Um, but what's the, what's the consequence for our clinical practice? Should we then uh, take blood from all patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria and look at least for IgG uh, against the uh, thyroid, against the thyroid peroxidase? Uh, I think we actually... Uh are on the brink of uh, recommending that in, in the newest guideline. So, uh, so it's, it's obviously something that we have done in quite a few years already because we know that there is something here. Um, it gives us, gives us um, something to... Uh, it gives us an expectation of what, what, how would uh, the drug, for example, omelizumab, work in these patients? Uh, depending on on the level of thyroid uh, autoantibodies, uh, so so I definitely think that this should be part of the specialized uh, workup of patients because right. uh, this this is something that that gives us a handle to 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 work with. I very much agree with you. Uh, the more we know about our patients, the better we can guide them, the better we can manage their expectations, and the better we can we can treat them. And look, IgG anti-TPO to me is a very important biomarker. I'm not happy when I find it. Uh, and then when IgE is low in the same patient, I'm even unhappier because I know that this could be a very difficult to treat uh, case of chronic spontaneous urticaria. And that again, would make me try even harder you know, to find something uh, outside um, or within our standard of care to help this particular patient. I think it is important. And I think, you know, 
um, there are so many uh, arguments to include screening for autoimmunity with questions, but also with at least a thyroid check uh, for autoimmunity that um, this should be done in patients with long-standing and treatment-resistant chronic spontaneous urticaria, maybe especially in female patients, maybe especially in patients who come from, I'm, I'm making air quotes here, autoimmune um, uh, background, no? Uh, so, um, yet another set of comorbidities you mentioned, and those are the psychological, psychosomatic, psychiatric diseases, where I think we have to be very clear, and please do um, jump in if you think I'm wrong. Whereas autoimmunity points to the underlying cause, um, psychiatric diseases never do. When you are a chronic spontaneous urticaria patient and you have depression, anxiety, or another psychiatric psychosomatic disorder, this is not the cause of your chronic spontaneous urticaria. It's much more likely to be the consequence of your urticaria. Um, and, uh, you know, Simon, I recently read a very interesting study from Korea that every year that you have chronic spontaneous urticaria as a patient, uh, increases your risk of developing depression and anxiety. Very, uh, um, yeah, uh, troubling if you think about it, no? I, I definitely agree. This is an area that is, I guess, understudied, but yet so important. Uh, we, I think it's fair to say that at least one-third of our urticaria patients have a um, an overt psychological or psychiatric illness of some kind. Uh, and the other patients have varying degrees of very low self-esteem, low quality of life, depressive thoughts, maybe suicidal ideation at some point. We know that from talking to our patients. Uh, I definitely agree with you, Marcus, that uh, psychiatric disease or psychological problems possibly is a consequence of urticaria. It's, uh, it comes with uh, having a chronic disease itself. That's something that is not unique to urticaria, but just dealing with a chronic disease. But where I think our research should head now is understanding the specific impact of chronic spontaneous or chronic urticaria on the risk of getting, for example, depression. We, we know that something pathophysiologically is going on in the brain if mm. you experience itch for a long time. Mm. You, you simply change your perception and that in the long run will possibly lead to uh, brain changes, nervous system changes that can induce uh, all these things. It's a really understudied and so important area. Understudied, important, and super interesting scientifically to understand these mechanisms, uh, the effects of the immune system on the central and peripheral nervous system. A recent study showed that the response to a stressor in chronic spontaneous urticaria patients is actually quite different than from patients who do not have this disease. No, um, uh, a higher response. No, and a response that doesn't calm down as quickly as in patients who do not have the disease. So there's definitely 
um, a lot of aspects to consider and to explore and to characterize, identify um, that could help us to not only understand the disease better, but also guide our patients um, better in avoiding and dealing with these uh, comorbidities. Simon, I'm looking at the time here. It's unbelievable our time is up. It was so much fun. Um, but I'm not going to let you go, Simon. I'm not going to let you go uh, before I ask you one question. And that one question um, for you is, there's so many listeners out there um, who uh, treat patients with urticaria. So many patients who have urticaria. What's your one message to all of our listeners when it comes to comorbidities and chronic urticaria? What do you want them to take away from this? I think we have talked about a lot here, uh, Marcus, and, and I can understand if there is some confusion or even uh, people want to test everything. I think there's uh, definitely mainly an upside to try to screen for as many uh, comorbidities or associated diseases in these patients. But there's also a downside that we have not talked about, and that's overscreening, overdiagnosing. We, I think we, we know that we can also keep our patients in a disease mode or disease state if we uh, create too much trouble in their lives. So we, this is a balance. Uh, we, we should take also, always take uh, this from the patient's perspective uh, and, and try to tailor it to the specific patient's needs. And, and that would be my main message. Um, some require extensive explanations, some uh, uh, require other. So, so that would be my main message. Simon, thank you so much for bringing us to the point, really, um, you know, it is an important topic. Let's talk to our patients. Let's listen to our patients and uh, then build on what we learned from our conversation with our patients in terms of what should we look closer for and uh, what tests should we run. Thank you so much, Simon. Yeah, you're welcome, Iris. It's a pleasure. Folks, this is yet another episode of all Things Urticaria, brought to you by the UCARE Network. And we are looking forward to your ideas, your questions that we would like to answer in one of the upcoming episodes of All Things Urticaria. And that's all the time we have for today. Stay well, be safe, and bye-bye. MedThority would like to thank Marcus Maurer for that fascinating insight into UCARE. If you have any other questions regarding urticaria, please feel free to ask us via our website www.medthority.com. Remember to tune in for the next episode of All Things Urticaria. From all of us at All Things Urticaria from Medthority, have a lovely week.